have to see a roadmap to trust you and believe you for it. I'm just going to take one step at a time. Amen? Amen. They say this mountain can be
goes to a young person at the camp that covers about 65 or 70 kids that get to go to a camp every year that they wouldn't get to go to otherwise. And so I honor you and your faithfulness in giving to that ministry last week. Praise God. What a great, great thing is happening in the world today because I believe that God is on the move. And he's doing a quick work. And uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. Praise God. I'm looking forward to this coming Thursday night. We're going to be starting or restarting uh, our Grace College, which is you don't need to have a degree to come. It's just like a midweek service, but a little bit deeper. And uh, we're going into John chapter 9. It's taken me since January to get to that part of John. So there's no telling how much longer that will take. But we've been digging deep into the book of John. That will start again this Thursday evening at 7 o'clock. Praise God. I want to remind you of all the prayer times uh, through the week. Ladies, prayer on, at 6 o'clock on Tuesday. Anybody that can be here at Wednesday at 11.30. And things are just happening. Praise God. Thank you. We had a great week of vacation. And uh, looking forward to what God has for us today. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Verse number 45. And uh, I believe with all of my heart that our biggest obstacle to accomplishing what God wants to accomplish is us. I believe we get in our own way too often. And uh, I forgot to wish all of you fathers a great happy Father's Day. Whether you're a natural father, a spiritual father, or if you're a man here that has influence with anybody, which if you didn't know it, everybody has influence with somebody, we honor you today. I honor my dad with wearing his tie. It might even be old enough to be coming back into style. I'm not promising anything, but I wear it once a year in honor of my father. And uh, But as I was saying, we tend to overthink things and we get held up in certain areas that we so that cause us to miss out on the big picture of what God is doing. And so in Mark chapter 6, hopefully it's a familiar portion of scripture for most of us. But verse number 45 says immediately after this, this was after the feeding of at least 5,000 men, not including the women and children. And uh, it's 5,000 men and their families. So we really don't know. Uh, how many people that he fed that day with leftovers. Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. And after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. And he saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves so about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. He intended to go past them. That's not spoken about very often. He intended to go past them. He intended to go past them. Listen, sometimes in your troubles and your trials, Jesus intends to pass by you. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped and they were totally amazed for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. The King James Version, I'm not sure which version was up there. The King James Version says they considered not the miracle because of the hardness of their hearts. And I want to, with the help of the Lord today, minister this subject 
When the miracle gets in the way of the mission. When the miracle gets in the way of the mission. I want to read one other scripture that uh, was revealed to me this morning. Except that I marked it in the wrong spot. There it is. Uh, John chapter 2, as Paul was teaching, he started in verse 13. But something stuck out to me as I turned uh, my Bible to this page, and it was this. Verse number 11 of chapter 2. The miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. The miracle revealed his glory. Uh, I, I, I love miracles. How many like miracles? I have seen all kinds of miracles in my life. I, I enjoy seeing miracles. I've seen uh, deaf ears open. I've seen wheelchairs left at an altar. I've seen uh, crutches laid down and people walking out just fine. I, I've seen a lot of miracles. But I... I and, and I want to see more. Don't misunderstand this message. I want to see the miraculous hand of God. But at the same time, I look around and I think I, I think there's about 85 of us or close to 90 of us today. That means there's at least about 85 miracles in this place. And we don't recognize them. Because we only recognize the miracles when Jesus steps in when we can't figure things out. Well, that, that, that's not a miracle. That's an that's a intervention. <laughs> that's God stepping into a situation that we're totally blown by. Okay? A miracle is simply this. When God does something that we can't. So everybody take a breath. That's a miracle. Because you can't manufacture that on your own. That was created in you. Our heart system, our lung system, our kidneys, and all of the different systems of our body, we can try to manufacture it, but we're only manufacturing it based off the original. All of the scientists in the world that can give you a, 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 a false hip or a, a renewed hip or knee or something, all they're doing is they're taking that which God created and they're molding something and fashioning something so that we have a hip replacement or a knee replacement, and I'm thankful for that. But they're just doing what God already did. The miracle was when God spoke everything into existence and on the sixth day when he got down into the dust of the earth and began to form you and I, that's the miracle. His miracles happen every day. Well, pastor, I've been waiting for a miracle. You've had a miracle already today. You're here. If we would recognize the miraculous in our life, when we would do what the disciples did not do, the disciples considered not the miracle of the woes because their heart was hard. What does that tell me? Here's what that tells me. That tells me one of two things. It tells me either the disciples had gotten used to the work of God or the disciples only lived for the next work of God. I, I want to say that again so, so that it, it sinks down deep. It's either that they had gotten used to the things of God that he was working, or they had lived their life looking for the next miracle. You see, when the miracle gets in the way of the mission, Jesus intended for them to get across the lake, no matter how hard it was, he intended to go by them. But see, those disciples freaked out, and they cried out. And they were crying out to the Lord, not knowing what they were crying out to. They thought it was a ghost. They were terrified. How many have ever gotten into a situation in your life where you became terrified? And you just began to cry out to God. Could it be that you were terrified of God himself because he was trying to pass by you? And how many times have we called the miraculous hand of God into our lives? When God just wanted us to get to the other side of the lake on our own to see how we do it, to see. You see, here's what, here's what the Bible tells us, that there are signs and miracles and wonders, and they're all kind of interchangeable. There's some little bit difference in, in, in the scripture, but Jesus chastises the Pharisees about needing a sign. In fact, he curses the generation that needs a sign. 
Can I tell you what I think some of the problem of the church is where we don't have the 24-7 move of God everywhere we go? It's because we're looking for the next miracle. Instead of realizing what is his mission. We get tied up with the miraculous because it wows us. But can I just tell you, I can bring you some magicians that can use illusion and it will wow us because we won't be able to necessarily figure out what they're doing. And we'll sit at the edge of our seat in anticipation for the next great thing. And we are wowed by the... And we tend to get that way in the in our walk with God. We get wowed by God opening up this door. And God healing this. And God giving us this job. And God opening up this opportunity. And God doing that we live our life from miracle to miracle instead of miracle to mission. And then we get frustrated with God when we haven't seen the miraculous opening up in our lives. When God has already done with the miracles, he's on to the mission. And let me just give you an example. Uh, there's, I've got several that I'm going to give you today, but the first one is simply this. How many here want to go to heaven? Yeah, you're all pretty smart. But we have, as religious people throughout the years gotten so tied up with how to get to heaven and we haven't failed to realize that heaven is not the mission. Heaven is the miracle. We get worried about whether or not we're just enough right so that if the trumpet sounds and, and as the chaos of the world goes on for the 1500th millionth time there's preachers out there saying, it's the time of the Lord, the time of the return of the Lord. Hey, listen, it might be the time of the return of the Lord, but that's the miracle, not the mission. The miracle is heaven. I don't know about you, but I don't know what transparent gold looks like. I've never seen it. I've never handled it. I've never touched it. I don't know what walls of jasper and seas of crystal. I don't know what a mansion looks like. I, I don't know what heaven's all going to look like. That's the miracle. That's something only that he can do. But can I tell you what his mission is? His mission was not to come to this earth so that you can have a mansion in heaven. His, his mission was found in John 14 when he said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place. I'm preparing the miracle. Why? Here's the mission. That where I am, there you may be also. The mission is getting us close to Jesus. The miracle is making it to heaven. And we let heaven get in the way of Jesus. Some of you are going to grasp this. Some of us are so tied up. I just need to hear a word from the Lord. I just need to know this. I just need to know. I've got to have this door open. I've got to have this miracle performed. No. You need Jesus. Amen. I need Jesus. I need to crawl up in his lap and let him embrace me and sit still for a while. Stop trying to figure out. Listen, I love the miracles. But can I just tell you that every miracle in the Bible, they all have one thing in common? Well, that too. Well, not always. But you want to know what else? They're all dead. The lame man that was raised, the blind eyes that were opened, the ears that were released, the, the Lazarus brought back to death from death once. He experienced it twice. They've all died. They've all gone on to, to the presence of the Lord. The miracle was not intended to be the end all. The miracle was intended for two things. Number one and first and foremost was to reveal his glory. Can I, can I, I, I just need to kind of treat you a little bit here. And, and, and we're going to deal with this a little bit on Thursday as well. But John chapter nine has the man that, that is lame. And the question is asked of Jesus, who hath sinned this man or his parents? 
And Jesus' response is, neither. But that the glory of the Lord might be revealed. Now, I, I don't want to burst somebody's bubble. Because we listen to this all the time. God wants what's best for you. I believe that. But what's best for you might be blindness. What's best for you may be the inability to walk. Uh, don't, don't get real, real quiet. We'll end up excited about what God's doing. I don't know how old that man was. But they all knew the man. And they all knew the parents. And they were trying to trap Jesus. I, I, I don't know about you. But God doesn't want to heal everybody. When we think he wants to heal everybody. He wants everybody. To be made whole. When he says it. My dad. I don't, I, I'll have to talk to, to God someday when we get there. I mean, I've talked to him. He just hasn't responded yet. Why did my dad have to die? He was 62. He was pastoring a good church. He was reaching people. He was doing the work of the Lord. He was a righteous man. And yet God allowed cancer to take him. Why? He wasn't a hundred. If he was a hundred, I would say it's a mercy. I don't know. But here's the thing. God intended to allow the cancer to take him for a purpose that others would see. Because here it is. The miracle would have been a healing, but the mission was stepping into somebody's life. And I have had several people that have reminisced about my father. And since my father's passing, how God has changed the trajectory of their life. And my dad would reach out from heaven and say, glory, hallelujah. As only he could, glory! That's how it would sound. And he would say it out loud because somebody was touched by him being made whole. Yes, see, my dad doesn't have cancer anymore. Hallelujah, you see, God. had I gotten upset with God because God didn't heal him, didn't perform, he performed the miracle. Because the miracle wasn't for me. The miracle was a mission from God. And my dad bought in somewhere in his life that said, I surrender my all to you, God. And I want my mission to be your mission. Don't worry about the miracles, God. I want to reach your mission. Listen, there's some things that are happening in your lives. And you're wondering why the waves seem to be 10 feet tall. And why the winds seem to be blowing so strong. Don't just pray yourself out of the storm. Just recognize that he's walking on the water near you. And he may not want to even jump into your boat. He may intend to pass you by. But he knows exactly where you're at. Because his mission is not in the miracle. His mission is in the, the changing of lives. And the renewing or the revealing of his glory. Why did this man who sent this man or his oh, nobody? Why do I keep taking two steps forward and one step back? Why do I keep getting on a roll with God? And then Paul in Sunday school talked about the graph of going up and down and, and there's always those times where there's those down slots. But why, why do I struggle so hard to just break through and become what I'm supposed to be? I'll tell you why. You're preoccupied with the miracle. Because you and I as humans tend to wait to see and to feel the release of God in our life. And sometimes God says, I've already released you. You just haven't arrived yet. I want you to think about this. 
See, we bounce from chapter to chapter. How many know how long Paul stayed in Arabia after he was knocked down by God? He, he was blind a couple of days. But if you go on to his life, there was times where he took year-long breaks because he didn't know which way God wanted him to go. Here's what he did when those breaks happened. He did what he knew he was supposed to do. He lived according to the miracle that had already happened in his life. So the first thing is to reveal his glory. Here's the second reason for a miracle. A miracle is designed to change the trajectory of somebody's life, including the person that receives the miracle. That's it. Can I just tell you that God doesn't necessarily want you to have a straight nose? <laughs> Mine's crooked. It goes off to the left. It's been broken a couple times. He never realigned it for me. <laughs> Sometimes he wants that limp to be there. Ask Jacob. His limp was a sign of a miracle. If he came walking in today, we'd wonder what was wrong with him. And he would come to the front, and here's what we would pray. God, straighten out his hip. Heal his hip. Strengthen his hip. Let him walk without a limp. And the whole time, God's in the background going, saying, he's limping because I already touched him. Paul said he had a thorn in the flesh. I don't know why God heals totally some people and doesn't heal others. I don't know. But here's one thing I do know is that the mission should always outweigh the miracle. When we stop getting tied up in the miracles and get tied up in his mission, when we start reaching people instead of worrying about the next miracle, when we start touching lives and speaking the goodness of God instead of waiting for God to step in and change and do something miraculous for us, that's when the miracles will begin to happen because there are people waiting for mission-minded people to step into their lives and say, I can't explain everything. I don't know what's going on, but I have a friend that I want to introduce to you. His name is Jesus. And no matter how bad the storm gets or how still the storm gets, whatever happens, Jesus knows exactly what you need. You see here, I'm drawn as a preacher. I mean, I'm drawn to people in general. But I am really drawn to people that I see potential in, but they can't get out of their own way. They're, they're, they've, they've pushed it down for so long, and they have filled the life with other things, but buried down deep is the next prophet or prophetess. A next preacher, the next teacher, a next evangelist, and the next apostle. But they have buried it so far deep by the things of life, and then they wonder why God's not moving in their life. Can I just tell you that part of the reason God's not moving is because you pinned him down? With false expectations, with luggage of life, because you're waiting for God to remove the luggage and perform the deliverance. And when you get that luggage taken off, you think that that's what God wants. God doesn't want to remove the luggage just to remove the luggage. He's wanting to remove the luggage so he can breathe. Can I just tell you? Our church loves those that are addicted to all kinds of things. It's the heartbeat of our church. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you. But here's the thing that I have come to understand. And it's one of the reasons that we have encouraged and challenged and fought for not using the word recovery, but using the word restoration. Because your miracle is your sobriety. It's not your mission. I need to say that again. 
Your miracle is your sobriety. It's not your He doesn't just want to get you dry. He wants to take you and to move you and to mold you and to form you into an instrument and a tool of his righteousness. It's not enough that you just don't go back to those things. It's not a, that's just the miracle. Don't let the miracle of your sobriety stop you from the mission that he has. For all of you that don't think I'm talking about you either. You've been raised on a church pew. You sat in a church service your entire life. Can I just tell you the goosebumps that go down your neck is not the mission? God's not here to make you pleased. God's not here to make you prosper. I know the scripture says that he has a plan to prosper you. He has a plan to prosper you in him, not in you. It's not to send you riches. His prosperity is found in the fact that you overtake the miracle and step into his mission. And when you do his mission, you will be satisfied beyond measure. I am, as a preacher, and this might get me in hot water if anybody watches it online, but I am sick and tired of the miracles. Well, how many miracles have happened here? How many miracles have happened? This is miraculous. And when we get a hold of this, let's have a miracle conference. <laughs> this is going to be a special service just for miracles. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm thankful for that. But we have ventured so long on miracles that we have forgotten what the mission is. God's mission is not to heal. God's mission is to re re reuse or to reveal his glory in us. When you are healed by God, and I've been healed by God before, I know what it's like to step into a miracle. But when I step into a miracle, that feeling of the miraculous only lasts a little bit of time. But I'm going into my 30 some odd year of ministry, and it hasn't gotten old to watch the faces of people because my miracle is not my mission. My mission is something entirely different. And here's what I believe is happening at Spirit of Grace Church, and God is trying to all around the world is to stop getting tied up in the miraculous and start getting tied up in the mission. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. It doesn't say that he came to this earth simply to heal people and open blind eyes. He used that as a tool to let somebody recognize who he was. Because it was a custom in that day that the calamities of life were predisposed by actions of yourself or another. That's why they asked who sinned this man or his parents. It was burned into them that when you struggle, it's because you were, God was angry with you. And Jesus blew that up. But unfortunately, we get that same mentality. We go through a rough, rough patch in life. God seems a million miles away. Life is piling up. And we are oaring for everything that we can. God, you told me to cross the lake. And I'm pushing and I'm pulling. But the winds and the waves aren't helping any. You couldn't pick a calmer day, God. You couldn't pick an easier path. Oh, no. You see, nowadays, they make exercise equipment. So now you're oaring and you're not going anywhere anyhow. But I'll tell you this. The exercise guy that created it had more of a read on what Jesus was doing than us Christians. Because Jesus was creating in them a faith-building mechanism. If Jesus told me to go there, if I just keep enduring, I'm going to get there. It doesn't matter what waves. Jesus promised me, I am going to arrive. 
And if I just keep pulling, I may not feel like I'm going anywhere right now. In fact, I'm running in, in place. Right? I can't expect, I can't feel him. I can't see him. Nothing has changed. This has gone bad. That's gone bad. This is piled up. Just keep pouring. And I wish I could promise you he'll walk on water and come and help you. But that's not his intention. I think I see you way off there in the distance. Maybe that's a ghost. Oh, wait. You keep walking. Wait a minute. Why? What? Where are you going, God? You're supposed to. Doesn't your word say you're going to make me? I want to get there quicker with you. I just wonder what the disciples would have learned had Jesus not stepped in the boat. We'll never know. Because Jesus doesn't do things the way we do things. Can I just tell you? We sang about I cling to the old broken cross. I'm thankful for the cross. You've got to really read through this message, okay? The cross was not the mission. It was the miracle. The mission is you. The resurrection from the tomb was not the mission. It was the miracle. The ascension was not the mission. It was the miracle. And yet the scripture tells us that that's the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord. That's the miracle. The mission is this. He has now created a way for you to get to him. And yet we take the cross and we hold it tight. He said, I'm never leaving the cross. Jesus did. I'm never leaving that tomb. Jesus did. I, I'm never leaving my place, my position, my spot, my area. Jesus did. Why? Because he was creating a place for you and I to dwell with him. Don't let the miracle hinder his mission. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? It means we need to change our prayers. The Bible says this in James chapter 5, and I'm just about ready to close. Maybe. It says this, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I've heard preacher after preacher and teacher after teacher that tell me that that means, hey, you just got to get after it. You just got to get your head and just growl a little bit. Pound on the altar a little bit. Make sure God understands you're serious. <laughs> I've heard it all. Some of you have as well. That's why you're laughing. But if you study that scripture, here's what that scripture says. If I align my will to his will, my prayers are activated. God, I think I need a miracle. But if it's not for me, let your will be done. You see, I remember somebody else praying that. Under great stress, with sweat drops of blood, when Jesus said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. See, the miracle for Jesus could have been a U-turn from Calvary, but it wouldn't have been the will of the Lord. Your 
way out of your situation may be a miracle for you, but it may not be your mission for him. This message has been stirring in my spirit for about three or four weeks. And I know exactly why it's stirred. Because there's a few of you that needed to hear this message that haven't been here for two or three weeks. Besides me not being able to preach. But you have been getting in your own way. Because you have worried about the miraculous. Instead of the mission. The miraculous is the things of this world being injected, if you will, by the power of God. But the mission is the people being injected by the power of God. God wants you. Well, pastor, it may take a miracle for him to get me. Well, then he'll create a miracle to get you. But that's still not his mission. I, I just, I want to see, I want to see blind eyes. I want to have one of those great church services where the altar's filled and all kinds of miracles are happening and, 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 and crutches are laid down and wheelchairs are empty and blind eyes are open. Well, yeah, that would be cool. But we'll still dismiss that service. And the only thing that makes the miracle worthwhile is if the blind man that can now see steps from the moment of his miracle into the mission of his life. But if he's dwelling and waiting for the next miracle, all he's doing is living a life of misery, and that's not what God wants. When Jesus walked by to the disciples, and he said, take up your cross and follow me. That was a miracle. The mission was played out as they walked. I invite you to stand. They hadn't considered the significance of the loaves. They hadn't considered the significance of the loaves. I, I don't know why it didn't say the fish and loaves. The fish were as big of a miracle. I, I don't know about you, but if I ask him and Tony to prepare sardines, I don't think it's going to be two to feed 20,000 people. They didn't consider the, the, the miracle of the loaves. Can I tell you what? I, Jesus never reveals exactly the significance. But I believe it's this. Jesus used the miracle of breaking the bread and feeding the people because he knew that he was the bread of life and that he would be broken and given. To us. The miracle wasn't that he created 20,000 meals out of a couple pieces of bread. The miracle was that Jesus was putting something of himself in each person. The mission wasn't to feed them for a couple of hours because if there were any teenagers there, they were hungry before the meal was over. I mean, you think about it. They went through 20,000 people. The people at the beginning were starving by the time the people at the end ate. They didn't, and the disciples get into the boat, they're just thinking, oh, well, God just, he multiplied the bread. He created a miracle. But Jesus was giving himself symbolically to us.
The mission isn't to feed us. The mission is to fill us. Jesus wants to fill each person. He wants to have a close, personal, intimate relationship with each person here. And he has used miracles upon miracles to get to the place where you and I might receive and be receptive to his mission. But his mission involves us embracing him and his will. I challenge you this week. Start praying, Lord, not what I want, but what you want. Not just in words. You're going to have to act it out. God, you may not want me to eat today. You may not want me to have a breakthrough. You may want my boss to get all over me today. Because if he didn't get all over me, he was going to get all over somebody else that would be destroyed by it. But you have built me up strong enough in faith that it's not going to affect me. It may be on Tuesday when you're at the bottom of the pile and you feel like you're overpressured and overwhelmed that you think if I could just find Jesus, he'll create a miracle. He'll release the pressure and overwhelm. And, and, and he may just be intending to walk by you that day. It's at that point where you say, okay, give me the mission, God. Not my will, but your will. And as I begin to pray your will, that's what's effective. My prayers aren't as effective. They're not, they're, they're not effective like you're effective when you begin to pray through me. Because it's your will and not my will. Here's what I would like to do.